Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Well, between the radio and the uh, internet talk show, we've probably been doing this thing over 10 years. I can't remember a crazier, wilder day than uh, NFL than last Sunday, than yesterday. We'll do that. We, matter of fact, we could we could do the NFL round-em-up, wrap-em-up the entire hour today. Amazing. Last second finishes, wild coaches, decisions, mistakes, overtime games, last second 50-yard Hail Mary's great day in the NFL that is if your team won. 888-463-6748. Coach and the big dog on the talkzone.com. Two guys, one mic, a little bit of music, and then we'll kick off deep in our own end zone. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, other side of the glass. Big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Hope you had a great weekend out there. We truly do. And so glad you could join us here on a beautiful Monday morning. The Bears did win not exactly pretty well. It was very pretty, actually. On the defensive side of the football, on the offensive side, not so much. But, uh, again, a wild day in the NFL. We'll try to recap all the games. First of all, speaking of wild, let me bring in uh, a man who is known on occasion to take a walk on the wild side, although now he's that he's hit the age of 40. He has somewhat, somewhat matured into a, a respectable young man, but he still on occasion takes that wild walk uh, walk on the wild side. Big dog this weekend, more the mature 40-year-old, or did you uh, dip back into some of the days beyond? It, it, it was the, the, the mature 40-year-old. It That's was, too bad. No, uh, uh I didn't have any tours this weekend, so I mean that really cost me a lot of money. So that's that's horrible. But other than that, I basically just stayed in and watched football. It was much needed. Yesterday, I sat down on my butt and just watched football from start to finish. Little Lilac learned that she can watch football, and what that means is she slept for pretty much the whole entire afternoon. So <laughs> uh-huh. she enjoyed it. And Saturday, you're—I know you've missed your college football. Were you able to catch up a little bit on the? Collegiate football game that you love so much. Yeah, not as much as I, I would have liked to, but I did get to I, I did get to watch uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, like the night games I was able to watch, and that they were some pretty exciting games. And no matter what you can say about like the Bears' offense or or Notre Dame's offense, well, Notre Dame's offense got first down late in the fourth quarter to put Michigan away, thirteen to, to six or whatever the heck it ended up being, and, and the Bears did something. Similar yesterday, but uh, nobody could be happy about the Bears' offense. But they won, so uh, definitely uh, a laid-back weekend for me. I got to enjoy a lot of football, Coach. By the way, I've had this in my notes when I watch the Bears game, taking notes uh, the first couple of weeks. Uh, I get so caught up in all the minutia, I forget to bring it up. It's been a constant uh, last year, the year before, pretty much through the Lovey Smith regime, and that is, it is unbelievable that, we ha- in the first quarter, we have to call a timeout or two every first quarter. This year has been the worst ever. It's, it's like the first series, and again yesterday. I guess not the biggest thing of the game. I just got to get it off my chest, big dog. Second play of the game. Second play for the third week in a row. 
Timeout Bears, can we please get organized enough so we don't have to call timeouts in the first five minutes of my viewing? Yeah, it's, Thank you. it does get a little frustrating. I, I, it does feel... get, I, I don't understand it. But at least, you know, like the first two drives of the first two games, which are absolutely horrendous for the Bears. Yep. They were a little better. They at least they got a field goal out of the out of yeah. the first drive of, of the wow. of the game. Thank you to a so, penalty. Basically, the, all the first half points were thank you to penalties by the Rams. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not. Yeah. The touchdown was because of a a tic tac uh, roughing the passer penalty yep. and then a bad pass interference penalty. Yep. Or else it's six nothing or three nothing at halftime, not ten nothing. Mm-hmm. And let me get this off my chest too, because again, it's not uh, you know a major thing, and I, we we take it for granted. We've said it last year, Big Dog. But again, Robbie Gold, our field goal kicker, who drilled what a fifty-four yarder to get the uh, first three points, he had a couple of more. You know, again, it's not dramatic, but he is just really, really good, and he's been really, really good, Big Dog, for a long time. You cannot. Take for granted the brilliance of Robbie Gold. You know what? Uh, he is the best kicker in Bears history. I think so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like when you start thinking about it, there besides Kevin Butler, there really hasn't been anybody that was there for a long time. Yeah. Robbie Gold's won a lot of games. I mean, like what, Paul Edinger, Bob yeah. Thomas, John Rabetto. And a lot of those guys were good, by the way. Edinger was good. Thomas yeah, was yeah. good. I go back to Miro Roder. Remember him? No, I don't. Okay, but, I mean, these guys were good kickers. Kevin Butler was a great kicker, but you're right. Robbie Gold, he's the best in Bears history. Uh, I, I think he is, Coach. He yeah. really is. Right. And, uh, you know, what's funny is before, before we get into the whole game thing, you know, we were like, hey, is is Brandon Marshall the greatest receiver in Bears history? He cannot be the greatest receiver <laughs> in Bears history for the simple fact when he does catch the ball, he doesn't tuck it away. So I, I will never call him the best receiver in Bears history. <laughs> Until he actually tucks the ball away when he runs with it from now on. How about yeah. that, Coach? Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that a little throw bit. that out there. Yeah, and he, I, I, he makes some tough catches. He also, <laughs> he does have a case of the drops on occasion, too. Yes, and it was like we were anointing him the greatest receiver in Bears history because we were just happy to get a number one. And then, well, as you know, uh, there is, uh, there's reasons why other teams have let him go. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not completely sold on the the game-breaking, game-changing ability of Brandon Marshall anymore. And I want to say I fell into the trap of everybody else of just thinking the Bears were going to be explosive because they said it, and all of a sudden after game one they were. And now I'm starting to realize, you know what, let's just win some football games this year. That's all. They still have a real good defense. Their offense is better than it used to be. And still the name of the game is win as many football games as not as possible, not score as many points as possible. So longtime Chicago Bear fan, Joel Radwanski, better known on this radio show as the big dog. Bear fans out there, you want to check in, give us a call, your comments on the game. We'd love to hear from you. The big dog won't bite. He might bark, but he won't bite. Give us a call at eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Any thoughts on yesterday's game? Any of the NFL games? Again, we'll do a NFL round them up and wrap them up coming up in a little bit. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight is the phone number. And uh, big dog, we thought one of the theories was by having Brandon Marshall. And I don't totally agree with your comments. I think there is still potential that Marshall uh, can become the big weapon. But one of the things I thought would happen is it would oh, I, make. I do too. I do too. I just don't think it's the. It has to happen. It really, they have to make something happen with that. It's just, it's, it's not going to be as easy as I thought it was, coach. Yeah. That, that appears clearly evident. But, you know, I thought it was going to make Earl Bennett 
a weapon. I thought it was going to make Devin Hester as our third or fourth guy now. You know, really dangerous. We'd see some breakaway plays from Hester. You know, we did rediscover the tight end a bit yesterday, but I thought the tight end was going to become part of the Bear offense. You know, Alshon Jeffries probably played like we, you know, that that's come out as we thought, but it's the rest. I thought it would elevate everybody else, and so far that really hasn't happened. No, it, it hasn't. And don't expect anything out of the tight ends. Kellen Davis is a good blocker. And he can run real fast, but he can't stop or move or start or run pass routes, whatever. So, uh, I, I think the, the tight, what we're getting out of the tight end is the most, uh, I, you know what, what we're getting out of Elshon Jeff, I mean, what we're getting out of Earl Bennett is because Elshon Jeffrey is actually stepped up. Do you know what I mean? If Elshon Jeffrey wasn't there, I think we would be seeing a little bit more of, of Earl Bennett. But yeah. at this point, <clears throat> Elshon Jeffrey's a bigger target and just as fast as Earl Bennett, so might as well go to Elshon Jeffrey. He's getting more reps than Earl Bennett as coach, really. Think mm-hmm. about it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, the Bears did have a plan. The offensive line, by the way, again, the biggest weakness of the team, it was not good. Uh, slightly better, would that be the best description? Yeah, but still, like, horrible penalties. Yep. And legitimately, whenever Webb is in a one-on-one matchup with a decent pass rusher, you just cringe. You know what I mean? It's like they have to help him with anybody good. Uh-huh. Uh, to, to, to say uh, below average at best with how they performed yesterday. How much? Honestly, how much is it affecting? And in, in the run game, by the way, too, they had some good moments, but a lot of times they got blown away in the run game too. Khalil yeah, they, Bell. Had no chance. But how, how much does it affect Jay Cutler? And I'm certainly, as you well know, the least guy who would be a Jay Cutler apologist. But the psychological aspect that Cutler now has after the last couple of years when he drops back, you know, you can say verbally, you know what, a quarterback can't think about it. you got to look for your receivers. you got to count on your linemen. But how much psychologically does his worry about guys coming in affect when he's back in the pocket looking for receivers? I think it would affect any quarterback that has ever played the game with getting his hit as much as he has. And quite frankly, like you see times where he doesn't step in the throws and all yep. a bunch of other stuff, and and that's normally after he's been hit a couple times. And and let's let, let's just quite face it, there was a couple real bad color throws yesterday that went like right into the ground and mm-hmm. were nowhere near anybody. And it was after he got hit a couple times really hard. They need to protect him better. The, the Bears have to do a better job of protecting the quarterback because they do a real good job of hitting the other team's quarterback, and they've done it for three weeks in a row. Uh, if they could protect their own, they'd be in a, a real, real good way because next week, uh, Tony Romo and Jay Cutler, the whole key to both of these players is when they're protected, they're really good. Mm-hmm. When they're getting hit, they're real bad. And I know we have to focus on what happened yesterday, but – the Bears have a game next Monday against uh, the Cowboys and Tony Romo, and I'm almost yeah, – they have to play better. Because you remember – I remember you calling this the last time they went to Dallas. I, I was working. But you told me that the first half was the worst beating you'd ever seen a quarterback take, Jay Cutler versus the, the Cowboys pass rush. Now that you remind me of it, yeah, I do remember that game, and I think uh, – I, I don't think I was caught up in the emotion. I think it was, if I'm remembering the right game. Uh-huh. And then the Bears came out and were unbelievable in the second half. Yeah. Bunch of long passes to Greg Olson and, and they won. That was like two years ago. It was 2010. Yep. And the Bears like ended up being a lot better after that. Yeah. One uh, thing you could say, and I know David Olson got a comment on your Cutler thought, but, and again, I've criticized Jay Cutler before 
everybody else started criticizing Jay Cutler. One thing you can't question him is toughness. I mean, that dude has been knocked and hit, even in some of his early completions yesterday. He was getting pushed and knocked to the ground. The dude is tough. I'll give him that much. David O. And then another all-pro defensive back comes out and says it's another typical Cutler performance. Cortland Finnegan yes. was all over him. I did read that. Him, yeah. I did yeah, read well, that. Cortland Finnegan better realize that the Bears won the game yesterday. And I could care less about how it looked. Honestly, I could care less. The Rams are going to be in a bunch of ugly football games this year. Hopefully the Rams can get a win against the Lions. Or no, did they already play the Lions? Yeah, that's right, they did. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's, the Rams are better than people think they are. Jeff Fisher's got a pretty decent team over there. If they could protect their quarterback, mm-hmm. they might win a few more games, but yeah, they're not going to be in playoff contention. Yeah, their, their defense was impressive. I didn't realize that James Laurionitis, the uh, Big Ten defensive player out of the year, out of the Ohio State was that good a player. And I'll tell you what, their defensive backs, Corland Finnegan and the rookie who's going to be sensational, Jamaris Jenkins. Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins from South Florida. That dude, Florida or South Florida? South Florida. All right, that dude can play. They got two outstanding quarterback. They're they're halfway to being a good team, big dog. Yeah, and Chris Long is paying off yes. for them. They got they, they got a good team. And uh, who's that linebacker? Horses. I've always liked. Uh, not Mensick. What's his name? He's been with them a couple of years. Ah, forgetting his name. At any rate, St. Louis Rams defense very very solid. But uh, Bears pull out the victory. We are 2-1. You mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. It's interesting because early in the year, we'll preview the game later in the week, but the two teams, they're extremely similar. Dallas, inconsistent on offense. Their defense has been surprisingly good. Their defense was outstanding yesterday. I mean, just shut down Tampa Bay, absolutely. Inconsistent on offense, and uh, you know, and both teams are 2-1. and one. So there's some definitive similarities thus far between the Cowboys and the Bear. Yeah, and both teams have had a, a had difficulty protecting their quarterback. Yep. And <laughs> trust me, whoever protects the quarterback this week has a much better chance of winning. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that that is going to end up being the key to the game. And you you brought up the craziest weekend you've ever seen. Woo! Uh, you know, like right when you said it, I was like, really, that's a bold statement. But when you think about that Detroit Tennessee game, wow, right there is just is just unbelievable. And then when that happens. Don't forget, when that game goes to overtime, uh, Kansas City and New Orleans go to overtime. And I don't know how New Orleans got even back into that ball game. That's just... You mean uh, how, Kansas, Orleans, how Kansas City got back in it? Yeah, that, well, how they, New Orleans could let them back in the game. Oh, it's yes. ridiculous. And then the, the Jets and the, the Dolphins, how many bad decisions the Dolphins made in terms of <laughs> what they should have done, like going for it or not going for it. Uh-huh. Three three games in overtime at one time. The the NFL red zone yesterday was just freaking phenomenal. It was, it was the first so time because uh, Fox, you know, they showed the end of the Lions Tennessee game. They didn't didn't show the overtime, and there was a couple other overtimes. It was the first time that I actually uh, wished I had the NFL. I don't even know if I have, but does my regular cable? Had the NFL red zone, or do I have to pay extra? If, if you if you have to ask questions like this uh, four years in NFL red zone, I'm not even going to answer them for you. <laughs> okay. Did the NFL red zone win an Emmy award yesterday, David Olson? Not that I'm aware of. All right. But if you've it's got the, if you've got the NFL Network, I've got the NFL red zone. Do I have the NFL Network? Probably. Like, again, okay. probably. We, we don't need to talk about your cable uh, okay. access. It is. Yeah, please. 
Don't talk about my cable access. Let's not get personal. Let's keep it to uh, the sports function here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. 888-463-6748. Phone lines are open. We we almost should uh, just start doing the NFL round-em-up, wrap-em-up now, get some of these games out of the way. And There were some amazing coaching decisions, unbelievable mistakes late. The refereeing overall, Big Dog, again. Oh. It's, oh you know what? You know what's bothering me. It was the Bears game too. We all complain about how long the replays take. Way too long. We did that with the regular ref, but yeah. with the with the replacement refs, it's taking five minutes yeah, to seven minutes yeah. to to decide to go to the replay. It's like, all right, if you're gonna go, you know, let's let's at least if it's gonna take forever, let's at least get to it right away. Painful. Pain. I watched the game on tape, dog. Fast forwarding through the commercial, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know that I can watch that Bears game live, especially the first half. Must have taken forever. Uh, coach, I, I, I want to tell you what happened when they messed up the whole return, the Portland Finnegan interception yep. and the fumble. And okay, when, when that happened, you know, I told the guys, I'm like, you know, they just went the first quarter commercials, and they're like, yeah, so what? I'm like, well, they're going to come back. When they realize that they need to replay that and they're going to have to put time on the clock, we're going to have to go through first quarter commercials again. They're like, are you serious? <laughs> this was at 1241. And I swear to you, coach, there was a, the, there was, the, ended up being, uh, the, the field goal. Okay. Yep. So with 1455 to go in the second <laughs> quarter and they finally started playing the second quarter mm-hmm. is when the commercials were finally done. 14 minutes later. <laughs> When, they, when the first commercial started, so what happens is they come back, they did the replay. Oh, no, we had to put time on the clock. Then they had to do another first quarter commercial. And then they, the, the field goal was kicked. And then after that, you know how they do it in the NFL where you kick a field goal. Then you go to commercial. Yep. Then you have a kickoff. And then you have to come back. And then they do another commercial, which I have no idea why they do a commercial, a kickoff, and then a commercial again. So it was 14 minutes to play eight. Or excuse me, thirteen seconds. <laughs> is what it ended up being. Fourteen minutes to play thirteen seconds. Oh, it's just it's it's unbelievable. Again, I that's why I tape it. I mean, I, I literally, if not figuratively, I cannot watch a game live anymore. It's just it's just too much of an exercise, and uh, you know, commercials surrounded by a little bit of football action. Yeah, but, it's the, the the amount of commercials. Yeah. That's why you of all people that don't have red zone, there's no commercials. They go game to game to game. Yeah. It's the greatest. Well, you're not as big a football fan as me. So it's the NFL red zone is just like, it's like heaven on Sunday. I can't mm-hmm. even explain it. Yeah. I don't have to worry about changing the channel. I don't have to worry about commercials. I just sit down and they just give me football nonstop, mm-hmm. seven hours straight. It's unbelievable. And the Cortland Finnegan play that you talked about, which was comical, by the way, but uh, that was a classic example because it took them forever I mean, I, I could tell you as an average fan, you know, go to the replay. You're going to need the replay on this. You know, you tell each coach 20 seconds later, the head coach, the uh, head referee is looking at the replay and helping it decide. But it took them eight minutes discussing, talking over to one coach, the other coach. And then I thought that was like they were going to make an announcement. And then I see the guy going over to the replay cameras like, are you kidding me? It's taking forever. Yeah, but, but the funny thing is they let the first quarter end, coach. And then they go to timeouts, and then they come back to start playing. And then they're like, hey, let's go to the replay now. Why do they let the first quarter end? They go to replay and realize, oh, the first quarter should have ended. 
I mean, that was to me, that was the funny part of it is like that. I had to let everybody know they were like, oh, yeah, you're right. They're like, I was like, you can go yeah. do something because this was going to take forever to figure out. Oh, and, and let us not forget the announcer, the uh, head ref announcing to the crowd after all that, that St. Louis. St. Louis gets the ball first down on the 46-yard line. You know what? I, I, I they, I, the commentators kept talking about St. Louis. Yeah. I can't believe you said that. I'm like, guys, can you let believe that they let the first quarter run out and went to commercial? That, to me, was a lot more inconvenient than the referee saying St. Louis. But they, they, they've been hammering that guy for 24 hours on that. Or excuse me now, it's about 21 hours. And I'm like, they didn't hammer on letting the first quarter run out. I mean, nobody has brought up the fact they let the first quarter run out once commercial. That's yeah. like, there's a million people inconvenienced by. You know mm-hmm. what the funny thing is, and yeah. I mentioned this to the guys here. I'm like, you know, it's automatically they they fight for which commercials to get. You you know what I'm saying, Coach? Like commercials after the two minute warning actually are more expensive than like commercials in the middle of the second quarter. Oh, sure. Commercials that a- after the end of the first quarter and after the halftime and third because of uh, all the squares everybody plays are more expensive. So they were able to double charge all those people for first quarter commercials mm-hmm. yesterday. All right. So they get, the, the advertisers don't care. They're like, hey, you know what? Every time these referees have a problem, we can go to commercial. We can put in uh, four more commercials of 30 seconds. That's about $2 million more profit in, mm-hmm. in our pocket. Timing is everything, Big Doe. Timing is everything. Hey, let's uh, real quick before we go to the NFL roundup, wrap up. Let's talk about some of the positives in the game. Most of it in the defensive side of the ball, the uh, the front line, the front defensive. Uh, you really can't call them the front four. It's really like the front six because you got uh, Shane McClellan coming off the bench. You got it. They're rotating. Henry Melton, Stephen Paye, uh, Amobi Okoye, or whatever the heck is it. But you got like six guys. It's not just yeah. Julius Peppers. You've got five or six different threats. Able to attack the quarterback. We don't want to forget our good friend Israeli Adonage, but that front four slash six really playing well, Big Doug. Playing some excellent football. Corey Wooten getting a little bit of yes. pressure on the quarterback yesterday. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know what Julius Tepper's stats were because there was two guys on him all the entire game, but he really helped everybody else fill up the stat sheet. Israel Adonis had two and a half sacks. He never had more than one person blocking him yeah, the whole yeah, entire game. Yeah, but you know what? A, a little bit of maybe he watched tape of Clay Matthews. I saw some relentlessness out of my guy Israeli. Yes, uh, that's a, one of his sacks was definitely just because he didn't give up, but he kept going and going yes. and going. And if you have people like Corey Wooten and Henry Melton to go give you reps, give you a little uh, a breather every once in a mm-hmm. while, you can be relentless for 85% of the staff snaps yep. as opposed to 100% of the snaps. So. Mm-hmm. Front four still varies. I still think the key is we haven't faced a real good offensive line running game. And I think that's been a weakness of the Bears the last couple of years. I want to see him shut down a good running game before I get overly excited, but certainly very positive early in the season for the Bears. Yeah, definitely. And uh, holding the, the St. Louis Rams to 160 yards, 59 on the ground when Steven Jackson is out, I, I don't get too yep. – Giddy over, over that. You're exactly right, Coach. Mm-hmm. When they have to man up and bow up to a good offensive line that can run the ball, that's, that's going to be a mm-hmm. good a good test for the Chicago Bears. And here, here's another thought I had watching the game. It was clear the Bears had a plan for the offensive line breakdowns and for the rush on Cutler 
early on, you know, they threw the screens, and it did soften up the defense a little bit. They threw the short passes, the little slant routes. Uh, they were prepared for that, and it occurred in my mind that I marked it down in the first quarter, Big Dog, that why that that package was not in for the Packer game. Where were those plays, that philosophy, that package, that game plan? Even if it wasn't your primary game plan for the Packer game, you had to have that in, knowing that your offensive line's a bit of a weakness. We saw none of it in the Packer game. We saw all of it yesterday. Why was that not part of the preparation for the Packer game? Coach, I don't think it's a brand-new offense. Blah, blah. You're exactly right. Every single NFL team should have the ability to have to say, you know, we have to scrap everything and we have to go to our protect our quarterback mode because this team is killing us on the pass rush. You know, everybody would love to, hey, you know what, hey, we can protect our quarterback, we can run whatever we want. But every once in a while you run into a buzzsaw named Clay Matthews and you're like, you know, we have to figure out how to actually run an offense without getting our quarterback decapitated every play. I couldn't agree more. The fact that you can't adjust in the NFL is you know, we used to, I used to rip Mike Marks because, uh, they didn't, he didn't have a audible. That's just as bad, not being able to go in at halftime or just right on the sidelines and be like, you know what? We have to get, uh, this kid protected. And if we can't do it, we're going to have to go to two men routes mm-hmm. so we can protect Cutler. You're exactly right, coach. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be a defensive mentality either. You can incorporate the plays and incorporate the mentality into your offense too that, hey, you know, if they're, blitzing us and they're coming after us we're gonna make them pay don't just be defensive well we'll take what yeah. you know I, I i like a little bit more offensive we're gonna throw some stuff we're gonna hit some big play we're gonna make their aggressiveness work against them so you know mentally i think you gotta you gotta look at it as an attack style just a different type of attack i understand okay. I, I totally agree I, you don't want to yeah you want to be the first to hit first whoever yeah. hits first in football with mm-hmm all right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Phone lines open, folks. Big dog and the coach talk a little NFL football wild weekend number one. Let's get to an NFL roundup. Up, wrap them up. We'll continue with some Bears thoughts uh, as well. We'll try to sneak in a little college football, but as seems to be typical, Tuesdays is a little bit better. Unfortunately, we only get one hour here. We tend to uh, not get to all the college football. We'll see. Uh, but real quick before we do the roundup, up, wrap up, big dog. We are a team here at the Two Guys in a Mic Show. David Olson on his Beat the Schmoes football picks has uh, really been a little selfish this year. He's broken away from the team, and he's, you know, posting up these 3-0 and and 2-1 and records while you and me have been mired in mediocrity. Well, you'll be happy to know it was a true team effort this past weekend as David stooped to our level, and the three of us all went a very consistent, if not smooth, 1-2 and two and Beat the Schmoes. Oh, ugly, 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 Coach. Yeah. By the way, you had Hawaii getting 14. I I think David told me you needed to get 40 instead of 14. Oh, I have no idea. I just, yeah. I just... Yeah. <laughs> All right. And by the way, Swamp Red, uh-huh. emailer Swamp Red is our first person to actually beat the Schmoes. Again, ties don't count. He went 3-0 for the weekend, picking some of the most obscure games imaginable. Alabama State must have a good quarterback. <laughs> Oh, David Olson's still very impressive, 9-3 and three on the season, though. All right. Are you ready for NFL Roundup? Wrap him up, Big Dog. Always, Coach. Always. I did not watch as much as you, so I'm going to I'm gonna tee it up for you. You can knock him home. Uh, first of all, let's go with the um, Sunday night game. Tremendous game. Baltimore 31, New England 30. 
Amazing finish. Flacco, Flacco was great with 382 yards. Field goal to win it, not in overtime. A lot of games went overtime. This one was at the end of regulation, but just a great ball game between two of the best teams in the NFL. A lot of people are focusing on what was atrocious officiating during that game, and it was, and Bill Belichick grabbing yes. the official as he ran off the field. Uh, I'm going to focus on Torrey Smith, the wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. He had six catches, two of them for touchdowns, a buck 27 in yardage, and he didn't get to sleep at all the night before. The yep. reason was his uh, little brother died in a motorcycle accident, and, and he got the, the dreaded 2 a.m. phone call. And wow. He went out there and... Uh, and Jim John Harbaugh was not going to let him play Coach Harbaugh of the, of the Ravens, but Smith begged him. He says, "You know, I got to be on the field with my with my uh, my extended family, which is the Ravens." So he let him play, and a playing out of his mind, and uh, ends up helping the Ravens beat the Patriots last night. Mm-hmm. Great, great ball game. Two outstanding teams. Belichick might get suspended. We'll see. It wasn't definitely fine. I don't think he should get suspended because the yeah. the, the the officiating was so bad that if you can't blame. All he did was grab an official's arm. You know what I'm saying, Coach? Wow. And if the official did nothing and you grab his arm, he should get a huge fine. He should not be suspended for grabbing an official's arm. And it was the official the officiating was so bad I can almost blame him for well, but you he can't. should have lost control and tackled the guy and punched him. <laughs> All he did was grab his arm, Coach. He grabbed have you seen it? Yeah, I have. I've seen it. I have it's seen it. It's not that bad. I don't well, think it's that bad. First of all, it's not that bad only because the referee got away from him. That's part of it. If 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 the referee wouldn't have scooted by, if Belichick would have maintained contact, it could have been a little bit worse. I don't know about you know. I don't think Belichick was going to punch him, but the referee was kind of able this to is scoot a by. Tom Cruise movie. You can't uh, you can't actually judge Belichick's intentions, coach. I love judging intent. That's what I do here. Well, he uh, his intent was to talk to the the official. The official wouldn't let him, and he let the guy go. So mm-hmm. he didn't grab his arm that hard. If the official could get away, mm-hmm. that I mean, like I don't think he's going to get any uh, kidnapping allegations for him in the state of uh, Maryland after <laughs> uh, grabbing the official's arm. Patriots, by the way, one and two, first time in nine years they've been under five hundred. Pretty amazing stat. First time well, that in, is pretty crazy. First that time is in nine years. And I heard one, you could speak to this, Big Doe, one sports talk host, uh, as I was driving here, talk about they watching the New England and Baltimore Raven game, especially on offense, and his words were it was a di- he was watching a different league than the Bears-Rams game. Just a different league, and he says, I'm hoping the Bears get to play in that league one of these days. Would you agree with that comment? Uh, that's, it's funny you said that, but, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to – Totally. Okay. Yeah, it's the, the defense has had a little bit to do with how bad the offenses were in the St. Louis and Chicago game yesterday, mm-hmm. but uh, the offense has had a lot to do with the reason why they were bad y- yesterday. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's funny as the Ravens have Joe Flacco, yet they can throw the ball all over the field. You know, against a team that uh, some people think could win the world title this year, the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. All right, game two in the NFL roundup up, wrap up, Doc, and you alluded to it earlier. New Orleans, the Saints, 0-2, badly in need of a victory. They're leading all game. It looks like they're finally going to get it, the underachieving Kansas City Chiefs, down 18 points. The Chiefs come back, tie it up. They win it in overtime. Ryan, how do you pronounce the field goal kicker's uh, last name? Suck up. Suck up. Okay. He kicked six field goals, including... 
in overtime field goal to win it. Jamal Charles, phenomenal, with 230 yards. An amazing comeback, Big Doug. Huge win for the Chief. Terrible letdown for the 0-3 Saints. Yeah, definitely a, a terrible letdown. And you, you know, Coach, I, I hate to have an injury to any NFL player, any football player, because it's too bad. But you know, when Jamal Charles got hurt, I was like really, really worried about the fact because he had one of the most amazing seasons two years ago, broke the NFL record for average per carry. Well, I think the the knee surgery did him all right, and he's he's back because uh, you have a 33 carry game for 230 yards. Typically, you're pretty healthy at that point. So, Jamal, I'm, I'm glad to see Jamal Charles healthy. And, and Saints fans, right now, I mean, the Saints world totally destroyed. Even their Super Bowl title has like an asterisk to it because that was the that was the, the bounty gate year. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're not making the playoffs this year, and it's just ugly in New Orleans right now. They might be able to win eight games, coach. They might be able. to. By the way, my son David has become a fairly extensive fantasy football player, fit to be tied yesterday. Jamal Charles on his roster did not activate him. Well, I really could care less about that because I was going up against Jamal Charles, and I'm going to end up losing. <laughs> I, I, I lost by like four points, so I could really care less about your son not having him in the lineup. <laughs> I was facing him. All right. So Houston, Texas, 31, Denver Broncos, 25. Matt Schaub, four touchdown passes. Peyton Manning better with uh, over 300 yards passing, but the Houston Texans basically outscored Denver in a pretty good, if not spectacular game. Texans win. Yeah, Texans got uh, an early lead and just kind of coasted. And uh, the the Texans have an extremely good defense is is the best way I can tell you. And and they just play solid, fundamental football. And uh, people, I, I like it now, two weeks ago, everybody, Peyton Manning was the greatest player ever. Now people are writing him off because he lost two games in a row. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning is going to be just fine. And his arm strength might not be what it used to be, but it's, it's still pretty decent. And, and just everybody remember, the Broncos aren't all that great. So the Texans were better. They were supposed to win that game. Mm-hmm. All right, Jets in Miami next on the docket. Regular Monday tradition here on the two guys at a mic show, the NFL. Round them up and wrap them up show. Big Dog and the coach bringing it to you. Uh, the Jets in Miami. We all expected Miami to be just absolutely brutal this year. Uh, but they're playing better than we thought, and they actually took the game or leading most of the way against the up again, down again uh, New York Jets. The Jets come back. Sanchez has a good second half, but I guess it came down in overtime again. What a many overtime field goal by the Jets, blocked by Miami. Chance to win it for the Dolphins, but no, they called a timeout. Uh-huh. <laughs> Before the block, reset, field goal good, Jets win. I I didn't see it, but was it one of those timeouts right before he's about to kick? Yes. I yes. hate that and stuff. Philbin called it, and right away they blocked it. I'm like, there's no chance that uh, Carpenter gets blocked this time. <laughs> and, yeah, they, yeah. Oh, man. You know, uh, it, what, I, what I found funny about the, the whole thing is, I am not kidding you, right before it happened, they were like, I wonder if they're going to freeze them. And like the, the color commentator was like, you know that they've done, they did a study and over the last uh, five years, they found out that, uh, the percentages go up. So like a typical field goal kicker makes 86%. Coach, okay. Mm-hmm. And they make 81% after the, the timeout. So the percentage goes, they have a better chance of making yeah. it when they call the timeout. I'm a so, sports purist, big dog, and uh, I don't mind. I think it's within the, the spirit of the rules to freeze 
a kicker. Be an interesting discussion. Junior high, high school is that within the spirit of the rule? But even in the you know, in the NFL, I got no problem with it. But even at the NFL level, I do not think it is in the spirit of the rules to call the timeout as he's approaching the ball. A, it should be out loud, and B, any coach should not have, again, as a sports purist, should just not allow that to happen. Call the timeout if you want to freeze him, but you can't do it when he's about to kick the ball. Yeah, you know what, I, I, I could care less about that. You know, if, I'm if deeply a, concerned about it. You know, uh, the one thing I remember is in 1987, this is, this is 25 years ago, the first time I remember it happening is uh, – uh, whoever I don't know if it was still Forrest Greg coaching the the Packers, but they did it to Kevin Butler, and it was a 52 yard field goal. And Butler like shrugged his shoulders, grabbed some sod out of the Lambeau Field ground, and made like a tee, and had the holder who I'm pretty sure was Steve Fuller catch or Maury Buford catch it, put it down onto the piece of sod, and he built like a tee, and he made the field goal for 52 yards. And we just talked about how Kevin Butler was a real good field goal kicker for the Bears. Uh-huh. He didn't have a good leg. And like, and he basically said, "Oh yeah, when they tried to freeze me, I was able to make a tee. It was the difference between us winning and losing the game." And ever <laughs> since then, I've been against freezing the kicker. Mm-hmm. Ever since that moment, so we have it for different reasons. You just okay. you just want to uh, get on with the watching the game. You could really care less about right. the strategy. You're just uh, annoyed that you have to wait another ninety seconds before you see the outcome. Right. But that is amazing. <laughs> Call the timeout right as he's kicking. They block it. Oh, is that going to look bad in the film room? And, of yeah, course, he, he hits the second one. Anyhow, Jets knock off Miami. Tough loss for the Dolphins. They are playing better than I thought they would be. I thought they'd be the uh, the toast, literally, of the NFL. But I credit Joe Philbin and company at least making the team competitive. All right, next up on the docket, Atlanta Falcons, San Diego Chargers. I think if you had to say who's been the best team in the NFL thus far, you know, there's a few other arguments for other teams, Arizona Cardinals, but I think the consensus would be the Atlanta Falcons. 27-3, to they smack the San Diego Chargers. Phillip Rivers, absolutely brutal. Big win for the Falcon. Would you agree, Big Dog? Best team thus far? It's uh, You You said it was – I would have to say it's either the Falcons or or the Texans, Coach. Okay. And, and by the way, I've been taking the Cardinals every week, and, I, and that, they don't surprise me that much because their defense is really, really good. Uh, but the Texans, I think, are the are the battle right now with uh, with. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta has been phenomenal. They got a power running game. They can run in short situations. They got receivers all over the place. Their question is whether or not their their defense will be good. And they have like the defense that the Colts had when when they had a great offense. If they have the lead, John Abraham and their their pass rush will be all over people. So. That is going to be determined whether or not they're great or not. If they get a lead early in games, they're going to win a lot, Coach. And they I think got it's, a lead early and cruised yesterday is what they did. I think it's going to be interesting, and I think they will have a winning record. But, you know, Atlanta's always been good, but they've had trouble getting to that next level great. I think it's going to be interesting in the really big games this year, particularly late. There's that psychological, I still think, even if they have the best record, dog, there's something I still think with Matt Ryan and some of the guys – you know, can we get over the hump? Are we really among the elite teams? Can they win those big games against top teams? I think that'll be the key to see. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely the key. Don't forget, two years ago, they had the best record in the NFC. They were the number one overall seed. Yep. They played the Packers at home and got killed, remember? Yep. And they were they were, they were at least 13-3, and three Coach. They might have been. No, they weren't 14-2, and two, but they were 13-3, and three, were one of the top offenses in the game of football, and then they lay an egg in the playoffs, mm-hmm. didn't they? Yeah, that they're a, 
a younger team with a lot of veterans. I mean, that might sound crazy, but yeah, that's that's where they're at. Mm-hmm. All right, Oakland and Pittsburgh, another great game, another phenomenal finish. Pittsburgh controlling the game for the most part. Ben Roethlisberger picking up big numbers, but Oakland storms back in the fourth quarter. Sebastian Janikowski in overtime. Was it overtime or at the buzzer? I think at the uh, end. Yeah, it was It was right at the end of regulation yeah, yeah. coaching. Get mixed up and with all the was, finishes. Yeah, that was uh, – and then that was – they they had to basically put the ball in a situation where Janikowski wasn't kicking off of the dirt for the infield mm-hmm. for the Raiders and the the Steelers figured that out and they loaded up the left side that was it was and then they almost didn't get deep enough into the territory it was pretty crazy how they were trying to get the ball in the right situation and have the time bleed out and they almost couldn't do it properly but they got Janikowski enough on the grass and. Anything inside of 50 for him is just like a chip shot. It's a huge win. That's a huge win for a struggling Oakland Raider team. Big confidence builder. The Steelers have been uh, team schizo thus far this season, but that's a big win. Janikowski at the buzzer. The NFL listing it at 43 yards. David Olson, our people uh, telling us the measurement was closer to 44. I don't want to argue with the NFL, but our people saying it was actually 44 yards. But a big win, big dog, for the Oakland Raiders. You know what? It's a big win in the terms of like the whole NFL lexicon because the Steelers and Raiders will always like kind of somehow be a rival because of the 1970s. But if you look at the AFC West, who's the best team out there? The Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, or the Raiders? Yes. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That is a big win. If you play in the AFC West and you beat a non-AFC West team, it's a big win mm-hmm. because. One of those four teams is going to be in the playoffs, and we all know that if you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Nice game for Darren McFadden, 213 yards. Jacksonville, the Jaguar, against Indianapolis, the Colts. Not the game of the uh, day as far as, you know, two top teams, but it was a heck of an entertaining game. Back and forth it went. Indy controlled most of the game. Andrew Luck very good early, but Jacksonville comes back. uh, MGD had a big game. He got 177 yards. Maurice Jones drew, but the play of the game, big dog, late. Under a minute left. Blaine, help me out. Gabbert? Gabbert. 80 yards. 80 yards to my new favorite name in the NFL, Cecil Shorts. Up the middle, he splits the defense, and they score a touchdown and break the heart of the Indy fans. Yeah, and uh, the Colts, I mean, they must be pretty bad, as I could say, because uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars had done nothing for the first two weeks on offense. All of a sudden, the, they were moving the ball at will on, on the Colts. I don't know how good the Colts' defense is, especially considering they gave up 41 points to the Bears in week one. Uh, but that was one of those games where both of those teams had to be licking their lips, being like, you know, we're only going to win a handful of games this year. That that was a must-win for both organizations. Mm-hmm. I know you hate those must-win games, but looking back on it now, I know it's a game that means nothing in the NFL. Well, the, the Colts really needed that win because both of those teams combined won't have eight wins at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. 80 yards, 40 seconds left. Tell me a little bit about Cecil Shorts. I'm fascinated by the name. I had not heard of him before. I'm pretty sure that he went to LSU. I'm pretty sure. Love to see a David Letterman top 10 nicknames for star wide receiver Cecil Shorts. All kinds of possibilities. All right, can we move on? Yes, we can. Thank you very much. Buffalo, 24, Cleveland, 14.
Big Dog, you need to remind me of this. I hold you a little bit responsible, but how many times over the years in my Beat the Schmoes football picks have I been burned by the Cleveland Browns? You know, they're an old-school team. They're an original six, if you will, using some NHL terminology. And I keep picking the Browns, and like a knucklehead, I keep losing them. They're killing me on Beat the Smoke, but the Buffalo Bills playing pretty good football. 24-14, to 14, a workmanlike victory over your Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns are only one of two teams that are winless in football so far. And uh, just, just to throw it out there, the Cleveland Browns aren't even part of the original NFL. They are or aren't? Aren't. What? You're just joking, like not saying you don't know that. Wow. They were part of... They, they go, were part of the All-American Football League, and they were moved into the NFL in the 1950s. Okay. So, like, to call them an original team, they're not even close to being an original, original team in the NFL. I, I was born in 1956. They're original in my lifetime. Okay. Yeah. Boy, the dog pound. Whew. I haven't seen it. Is the dog pound? I mean, are they still showing up and getting angry? Or I hate I, – I'm hoping it's not the latter. Is there is there, no, no, oh, no, is no, there no. open Cleveland, seats now no, in the Cleveland dog fans. pound? Cleveland fans don't support their baseball team or their basketball team, but they always support their football team, and they love to go out to the football games and complain about how shitty they are. Oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I really did. Yeah. But that's all. They, I, I I have a lot of friends that are, are Cleveland fans. One of my buddies, Dutch, I haven't talked to him forever. I need to talk to him. He turned forty recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's I, he really I think enjoys just complaining about how bad his teams are. So yeah, they're gonna. 80,000 people are going to be out there to okay. complain about right. how bad they are. So at least they're still showing up in the dog pound. Yes. Yeah, so those, those, we suck so bad. Those people are good people, that good. dog pound group. They're, those are accountants. They're, uh, you know, background lawyers. They're salesmen. Those, those dog pound people, big dog, that, that's, that's good stuff for the NFL right there. Yeah, the, the, Bill mentioned the, the year 1964 more than the Aristotle Onassis one. <laughs> so that was a good year for him. Uh yeah, but that was the last time they won now the championship. Now you're getting my testosterone level up. The old Cleveland Browns, uh, a Paul Warfield, a Jimmy Brown, a Leroy Kelly. I got my football cards still. I don't have many more, but I can still remember them. Left guard Gene Hickerson. Awfully good. Oh, the old Cleveland. Who was uh, Frank Ryan at quarterback? It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff. All right. Uh, Cincinnati. Sorry about that, folks. I took a little sidelight there. Cincinnati over Washington, 38-31. The RG3 love wearing off a little bit, Big Dog. He was okay but inconsistent. But the Bengals, very, very good. A.J. Green, the wide receiver with nine catches. You had him in fantasy football. You're looking pretty good, 183-yard. Big win for the Bengals, 38-31 over the Redskins. That's uh, that's not a really big surprise. I don't know why so many people are surprised that the Redskins lost at home. The Redskins were horrible last year, people, and they gave away so much just to get RG3. RG3 is going to be a really, really good quarterback, but it's not going to be enough. But he's not going to be good enough early enough for them to win this year, so I'm not surprised. Did you happen to see the, the Bengals come out in Wildcat? And it was a, a beautiful play where the, the, the guy that the Wildcat wide receiver who was actually in the backfield as a quarterback took two steps up, and then threw the ball as far as he could down the middle of the field, and A.G. Green ran underneath it. <laughs> That's the way you start a game out. That is. And by the way, if the Bears go again, the Bears have been putting two offensive linemen in as tight ends to run the football with Michael Bush. Yep. Please, Coach, if they're going to do that, could they please just do it out of the Wildcat? If everybody in the world is going to know they're going to run the ball, 
Can we have Devin Hester hand the ball to Michael Bush instead of having Joe Cutler well, hand the ball to then Michael you're, Bush? Then you're going to lose Jay Cutler as a lead blocker. Yeah, so that's exactly my point. I don't want that to happen. Okay. <laughs> All right. Get back to NFL Ron. I love All right. Arizona and the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. That's all I can say about the Arizona Cardinals. 27 to 6. This was interesting because you remember the uh, Eagles uh, let Kevin Kolb go away. They let him go so that Michael Vick could develop as a quarterback. Kevin Kolb was the quarterback for Arizona and Kevin Kolb. There's no bad blood between the two guys. I think it was a pretty good parting relationship. Uh, a parting relationship, but Arizona and Kevin Cole all over the Eagle. 27-6, yeah. impressive win by the Cardinals. And Michael Vick, what did he have? Got sacked five times, fumbled twice. Yeah, Kevin Cobb played a pretty good game, too. Yep. If you think about it, uh, Kevin Cobb, what he makes compared to Michael Vick, I mean, like legitimately, he makes one-third of what Michael Vick makes, maybe less. And Kevin Cobb protects the football. Michael Vick throws interceptions and fumbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, one of the worst signings in football the last couple of years is <laughs> the money that the Eagles threw at uh, Michael Vick. Michael Vick's one of the most overrated football players in wow. the history of the game. Wow. Coming out strong. Big dog. The, the guy fumbles and throws interceptions constantly. I don't care how electrifying he is. I, uh, electrifying at quarterback means nothing if you're, if you're not consistent. I know you hate to manage the game guy, but no, you win more often with a manage the game guy than an electrifying quarterback. It's as simple as that. Mm. And he puts the ball on the ground way too often. Right. Well, great. Bottom line is people were wondering, is Philadelphia that good? And are the Arizona Cardinals for real? The answer to the latter, yes. The answer to the former, maybe not, at least based on game three. All right, real quick, Minnesota upsetting with the 49ers upset of the day. And I think this is, uh, this game is just typical, big dog, of the way the NFL is right now. Whether you want to admit it or not, parody is here. Big win for the Vikings and Christian Ponder was very good. Yeah, talking about shaking my head, Christian Ponder, very good. I just, I just can't understand it. That's one thing I'm totally shocked by is Christian Ponder having some success on the football field coach. Minnesota defense doing some damage against the 49er offense, too. Absolutely. The 49ers didn't even have a, a touchdown until the late in the third quarter. That's the, 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 that's tough. So. Imagine if Jared Allen played for the Bears all these years. I mean, I know a lot of Bear fans don't like him, but boy, would he be popular. I mean, he is, without sounding too corny, Chicago kind of guy. Uh, he's a goofy coach. He's pretty goofy. He is? If him and Gronkowski made a, like, had a baby together, it would be the stupidest child <laughs> to ever walk on earth. Uh, thank you for that analysis and visual. Uh, sure all right. Let's save the best game when I say best, the wildest game for last Tennessee, uh, and Detroit. No, that was the best game of the day. Oh my goodness. The Titans <laughs> controlling the game for most of it. The, the Lions score. With 18 seconds left onside kickoff, they recover. Hail Mary for a touchdown. And Big Dog, the old story of defensive backs tapping the ball down, now hitting the ball. You can't do that anymore. Because you gotta catch it now, yeah. Now you gotta catch it. You gotta change the strategy because wide receivers, we've seen it happen three, four times now over the last three years. Again, the defensive back for Tennessee tapped it down in the end zone, 50 yard Hail Mary, and there was a secondary receiver waiting right there for it. Amazing reception, but then things got wilder in overtime, didn't they? Yeah, uh, Titus Young caught the ball. Now, this isn't, this isn't, uh, hindsight coach. It was foresight because immediately after Titus Young caught the ball and they went in, 
I swear to you, while everybody else that at my house was celebrating and couldn't believe what was going on, I was screaming, go for two, go for two, you're going to blow it in overtime. It's interesting. I swear to you, I was yelling, go for two, I, I, immediately, because you had all the momentum. Yep. You had the, the Detroit, uh, the Tennessee Titans were an absolute freaking shock. They get a chance to go to the, the sidelines, regroup, and not only do they get a regroup, they get a chance to put their offense back on the field and get three points and, and, and force the, the, the Lions to make some decisions. That was it. They should have gone for two. Uh, it would have been a gutsy call. Very, a very. Gutsier, a lot gutsier than trying to draw an opponent, yeah. a professional football team offside. I like, in college, I like to go on for two in NFL. It would be tough. But, uh, David Olson, did you hear how this thing ended? All right, so the, after that Hail Mary, Tennessee um, wins the flip, score, gets a field goal. But the new rule now is Detroit gets another turn. Good rule. Thank you, NFL. So the Lions marched down, big dog, to a, a very makeable 27-yard field goal, fourth and one. This is unbelievable. Big dog, tell the fine folks who didn't see the end of the game what happened. Uh, when, it, when it ends up being fourth and one, you said 27-yard field goal, which would have been at the 10. I think it was inside the five-yard line, Coach. Okay. But, but either or, it's fourth and one. It's a good yard distance to go. Well, instead of going to the huddle, the Lions line up like they're going to go for it. And I was like, oh, they're going to, this is good that they don't regroup. I'm, I actually said, there's, look, this is the Welco football team to get into the line, and that's the way you should do it. If it's fourth and one and you're going to go for it, don't go to the huddle and call the play. Just go right up to the line and snap the ball. Well, their strategy was to go, and, and draw the Tennessee Titans, uh, see if they get a penalty. Well, it didn't work, and the center – is the center for the Lions still Dominic Rioli? Uh, not sure. Well, he decided to snap the ball when he wasn't <laughs> supposed to. And Sean Hill, the backup quarterback, was not ready for it. The ball uh. was in the air, and the Lions lose. They lose on a bad snap on uh. a fourth-and-one play in a game where they needed two touchdowns in the last 18 Unbelievable. seconds. Unbelievable. And they got it. As Coach Jim Schwartz said, a miscommunication. We didn't really want to go – Three hours and 30 minutes of hard-fought blood and guts, emotionally NFL football, including the phenomenal plays you talk about. And they line up for a fourth and one, not supposed to go for it, and they snap it. Miscommunication, yeah. Big Dumb. Yeah, miscommunication. Wow. Wow. That's, that, that's what happened to, to Mickey Rooney and Elizabeth Taylor, right? Miscommunication. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Their marriage we... lasted longer than three hours and 30 minutes, I think. I think to be <laughs> I think to be really entertaining today, we might want to tune into Detroit Sports Talk Radio this morning. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that, to hear what's going on in Detroit right now, because I, I was going to call up or send a couple of text messages by Detroit fans and was going to be conciliatory, like, Hey man, now, now I know what you're talking about being a Detroit fan, but I, I, I just, I didn't want to because I didn't want them to take it the wrong way. It was too touchy. I'm not kidding you. Too slippery a slope to send any messages to my Lions fans at this point. All right, there's your NFL roundup. Wrap up. What a week three it was. Been really a great NFL season as far as if you're talking a parody and upsets and entertaining games. Three weeks into it, it's been phenomenal. Um, and Big Dog, I know you'll be spending some time. Are you out on the uh, river today or starting tomorrow? All week, all week I'll be out. Okay. So, uh, by the as way, as long as, as we have don't have winds over thirty miles an hour like we did this weekend. Yeah, that 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 might damper things. By the way, uh, David, I don't know if you'll agree with me, Joel. I think you will. 
And interesting, I saw a reporter actually make note of this, which I was shocked. I thought one of the best things about the game, spectacular. The best ever views of the city I've ever seen from a sporting event. I mean, they'd come back almost from every timeout, different spots, but the lake to the um, to the landscape of the city. I, I don't know if you noticed or not, Big Dog. I thought it was just in between all the football, just some absolutely beautiful depictions of a great early autumnal day in the city of Chicago. Oh, I, I absolutely noticed, and I also uh, like I had a, I had to let one of my buddies know that. Uh, that uh, there isn't different colors to the to Lake Michigan. It was actually the clouds blocking the sun. And then they after yeah. they showed the scene about five different times, they finally believed me that that was yeah. actually a cloud blocking the sun. Mm-hmm. But so. they did other, you know, they showed Buckingham Fountain one time, different different uh, angles of the skyline. They went inside the city. I forget what street it was, but just really a, a the, the game was a great advertisement for the uh, Bureau of Tourism in the city of Chicago. You're absolutely right. Chicago is one of the most spectacular views yep. of any city I've ever been to. Yep. We're lucky. Beautiful. All right, dog. College football on the docket tomorrow, assuming I'm not in jury duty, okay? Uh, if you're in jury duty, Coach, I am sleeping until 4, a, uh, 4 p.m. tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Big dog, be safe out in the river today. I shall be, and so will everyone else. Tippecanoe and Tyler, too. Thanks for listening, everybody. David Olson, producer extraordinaire. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We'll do it, hopefully. Again, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. See you then.